and we can hang out with people and be relentless and relational with our faith. And so we want to encourage you to pray, to give, and to go live out your faith. But we also have a responsibility. We have a privilege to partner with our missionary friends. While we're working here in what I call this corner of the mission field, we have friends that are working around us in, in, in these towns and cities and in, within the U.S. and around the world. They're just working and laboring in a different way. And it's our privilege to partner with them in prayer, praying for their protection and well-being and praying that the Holy Spirit would use them to make a difference, to support them financially, to give sacrificially to support them. And I believe as we do that, God will be honored. God will be excited because we are living out the mission. And so this morning we thought it would be really neat to interview some of our own missionaries. We've got two resident missionaries. And we're calling them missionaries because they're about the mission of God. They're living out their faith, uh, not just in their neighborhoods, but, but also in a unique, special way that God has called and equipped them and challenged them and led them to do. So in just, just a brief moment, we're going to have Jen Rutherford come. Uh, Jen works with college students and has a wonderful ministry. And then we're going to have Terry O'Neill and Terry O'Neill Borders. And Terry uh, has a wonderful opportunity to care for people here in Lamont. And then we're going to interview one of our global missionaries, Bill Snyder, who is actually in Manila, Philippines. And I think it's after midnight there now. And so uh, let's hope we uh, can wake him up. And then uh, we're going to interview our pastor, Pastor Jim. We're going to put him in a hot seat. Sounds good? And so let's welcome up Jen Rutherford. She's our first interviewee. Come on up, Jen. And so we've prepared a, a, a handful of questions ahead of time. And they're somewhat similar questions for each of our friends. Can you guys see me okay, or did I just shrink three feet? <laughs> Feel insecure. I'm a short guy already. And that's okay. I've got the looks, so it's all right. Um, <laughs> One thing that we really want to highlight today and then next week um, during our week of missions emphasis is that each of our missions, missionary partners, whether they're local or global, before God called or led them to a specific ministry, a specific service, that they were already going, that they were already living out their faith, that they, they were involved in Christian service and, and living that out just like we should be doing. So, Jen, welcome, and that's my first real question for you. Uh, prior to your ministry with InterVarsity, uh, a campus ministry, a college ministry, how were you actively living out and pursuing your faith with Christ and, and, and sharing the good news? Well, thank you, Mark. Um, I taught band in Plainfield for seven years, so I taught beginners how to honk and squeak on various instruments, and then I taught middle school. And had an impact, you know, loving my students and trying to help them grow and develop as people and influence them um, and colleagues that I worked with. Another real gift that God gave me was roommates um, to live in a house and be in community uh, with other people where I was able to have accountability, um, encouragement in my faith. We, I, I started and led some small groups within my house where we invited other friends to come join us. Um, we were also, all, all my housemates were part of the same church in Bolingbroke, and we um, served there in a lot of ways. It was a very little church, and we had a lot of opportunity to lead and grow together um, in community. 
So I, I just grew a ton in, in that time and was given opportunities to serve, to volunteer. I, I volunteered with the ministry I'm now a part of full time um, in a lot of different ways, whether it's trips and um, giving. And, and giving was a priority. I got on a budget right away and I started my full-time job and figured out, you know, where's, what am I passionate about giving to the church and other missionaries where I, uh, ministries that I had a passion for. So those were some good foundations post-college where God grew me and used me in, I guess I could summarize it in relationships, just keeping, um, making new friends and living with new friends and in community um, and maintaining friendships from college, even back to high school and junior high where I've gotten to just continue a long journey of um, influence in the lives of non-Christian friends and seeing them take steps closer. Okay, that's great. So at some point in your past, you, you uh, accepted faith in Jesus Christ. You put your faith in him. And you began living it out relationally. I love that word, relationally living it out. And, and, and then there was something unique that happened. Uh, maybe it was a, a moment in time or maybe it was over a course of time. But somehow God called you to a specific ministry, a specific task where God could use you to influence college students. So tell us what happened inside of you or how God led you to your specific mission with students? I think it began, actually, I got to benefit from the mission that I'm a part of now as a college student at Augustana on the west side of Illinois. I grew so much in quiet times. I learned how to study God's word. I prayer, working together with my fellow students in order to have an influence on campus. Witnessing in community was a new thing. Learning how to share the gospel. I mean, I got good foundations from being a student that benefited from this ministry. So I knew when I graduated, I'm going to stay connected. I, I'm going to give back. I had that feeling. I never thought, though, that I would switch to doing it full time. So I give back. I'll, I'll be a donor. I'll, I'll volunteer for things. I'll serve when I can. You know, and I did that for, for seven years. And one, one week um, in the summer, I was volunteering at a camp. I had the flexibility as a teacher to go away to InterVarsity's camp in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and um, help with a training for small group leaders. And in the middle of the week, it's a tradition to have kind of a Sabbath day where there's a little more celebration, but there's also um, alone time with God where you take a retreat of silence for a few hours. And it's beautiful. I'm sitting along Lake Huron on a beautiful day, and um, God gave me an impression. So he did not speak to me in a voice where, Jen, do this. It, it was an impression that he was saying to me, I want you to consider changing careers. And I thought, that's a weird idea. Like, it was really strange to me because I thought I would teach my whole life. Um, but I, I heard it and I said, well, God, if this is from you, could you use, please use some people in my life to confirm this is from you. And that night, I had two different um, staff who I had gone to college with saying, we've been praying about this for a couple months and we just want to ask, would, would you consider switching you know, to working with InterVarsity? And I thought, ooh. You know, but still, there's these ex experiences of a camp high or a conference or a retreat high that you wonder, is it gonna stick? You know, and it was a process. I mean, throughout the whole thing of God calling and leading me was, was a process and a journey, and it took some time even after that, the next year and a half or so of doors opening and, and him providing um, so that I could make this really big switch. 
So this is maybe an obvious question, but for those that don't know you, it would be a good question to ask. Would you just briefly uh, tell us a little bit about what your ministry entails, and then maybe uh, just a recent significant story of, of how God has used you to impact someone? Okay, so InterVarsity USA is part of a global um, ministry called the International Fellowship of Evangelical Students. So there's student fellowships going on all over the world. Um, in, the, in the U.S., I'm part of uh, our, our national movement is preparing already for the Urbana Missions Convention, which happens at the end of, of this year, which is huge, and we do a lot of behind-the-scenes um, preparation. But I'm part of a division, which is Chicagoland, really. It's northern Illinois, northwest Indiana, and so there's things that happen within our division and the schools in the city as far as um, far west is NIU, Northern Illinois, and as far east is Valparaiso, and then as far south as Juliet is kind of the division I'm a part of. And we last weekend just put on a, a big conference for training students in mission. Um, and we had 70 non-believing students who came to seek and, and, and took a track called Finding God. So that, I'm just coming off of that, so it feels, it feels like a lot of energy was put towards that conference of over 500 college students um, in Chicagoland. Uh, but on a daily basis, in a smaller scale, my current assignment is Joliet Junior College. I've also worked at Lewis University and Moraine Valley. Um, but at Joliet, I do a lot with student leaders, developing student leaders in leading small groups, um, Bible study and prayer, prayer not just that they get good grades. This is a, a common prayer request, um, <laughs> that they pass a test. Um, but to also help them have a, a vision and a passion to love the campus. Many times in this context of a junior college, some students, did, it was not their first choice. It's not where they wanted to go. And, and so morale could be a little low. And helping them to see this is your mission field. Like this is where God has put you right now on this campus and to grow in love for that school the way that Jesus loves JJC and, and to pray and to, to go on campus where they have influence. They have circles of friends where they have influence. So we do a lot with um, training student leaders, modeling. Um, a recent story, part of, part of this context too, involves being very public. It's a commuter school. They're in and out, they're busy. So we're really out in the open and do a lot of ministry in the cafeteria. So. We had last semester, um, this story happened, but the small group continues. It's a, a small group that meets sitting in the cafeteria. They pray, they look at a passage together. And we didn't know there was this girl named Michelle who had been also sitting around near us during prayer meetings that are held in the cafeteria and kind of overhearing. She just wondered, what's this about? She's been listening to us for a while. Well, this small group, which, which I started, but is now student-led, and I check in every couple weeks to see how they're doing, and this was a week I wasn't there. There's a student, Michelle, who'd been listening to prayer meetings, who was also listening to the small group, and um, after it was over, she spoke with a guy, Matt, who was in the group and was in one of her classes as well, so he was familiar, and she said, you know, I just was curious about what you guys are doing. I've heard your prayer meetings, I heard the small group, but just can you explain more to me? And so he had the opportunity to share Jesus with her and lead her to Christ. And now she's a part of our fellowship. So just being visible um, is a really big thing in a community college. 
Excellent. I've got two last questions. I'm going to bundle them together. But before I ask you that, I want to let everyone know that uh, Jen and her husband Bob have been attending the church for a number of years and faithfully volunteering and serving here. They're um, very active in their world and their neighborhood and with other friends. And she's got this additional calling, this special ministry to, to work with college students. What a special ministry because young people are at a pivotal point in their life at that age. And uh, I want to let everyone know that just recently uh, our church has um, picked you up and said, we want to support financially. And so Jen and Bob and, and their ministry is now, that's a part of our ministry here. And they're one of our financial um, partnerships. So uh, you guys are making a difference uh, just even in a subtle way by giving and supporting her work. And uh, so we're very excited about that. But that leads me to these questions. Could you just briefly, and, and I know it's a little bit awkward to talk about, but could you briefly tell us how our financial partnership is making a difference, and then maybe let us know one or two areas that we could pray for you about? First of all, thank you. It's really important to be um, supported and sent by a church, to, to, that your partnership is key in, in what happens on campus, that I'm not just out there doing stuff alone on my own, but to have accountability and to be sent by a church is crucial, so um, I'm very thankful for that. Uh, prayer requests, as I mentioned, coming off of the conference last weekend, for many students, hundreds made significant decisions um, in areas of lordship in their lives or in areas of wanting to take risks on campus to be about the mission and starting conversations. Just significant things and steps of healing happened in students' lives. At least 15 students made first-time commitments, those that attended the Finding God track that we had, um, that they would be protected and that we would see fruit. Because the conference isn't it. What, what The impact happens now, so that we start hearing stories of new and um, exciting things happening on the campuses that were affected because these students went to the conference and God worked there. So I'm thinking about them and that conference and the impact you know, coming off of it that we'd see fruit now. Um, personally, that I, you know, having done this now for over seven years, I am in a place of like, where should I be developing more? Or where should I be professionally growing or in my spiritual gifts? Like trying some new things, taking some risks. There, I now know like what I can kind of do and am comfortable at, but I don't want to be comfortable. I, it's time to continue to develop the way I want to see student leaders develop in mission, that I personally am growing and developing and not just kind of getting in a routine of the school year and the things that I know I'm good at helping students do, but that I'm growing and stretching myself and being intentional, um, taking risks, trying new things, developing my spiritual gifts further and discerning where God would have me use that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jen. We appreciate you coming up. Uh, great things. Thank you so much. Um, by way of highlighting, I want to point out a few quick things, and then we're going to ask our second interviewee to come up. Uh, some really cool things that Jen hit on was she was living relationally, connecting with people being Christ in her community, and that's really what we're about. And then she was sensitive to the Lord as she prayed and sought him and was in solitude, and the Lord said, you know, I, I'm impressing upon you to do something. I think that's a message, of tr that's a truth for us as well. 
And uh, here she is working with young people at Joliet Junior College. And God is doing great things in and through her ministry and seeing uh, people come to know Jesus and students mature in their faith. And, and so we definitely want to keep you in prayer. And we appreciate you so much. And we're glad you're one of our partners. Uh, right now, let's welcome Terry. Terry O'Neill Borders. Terry's, um, come on up, Terry. Terry's one of our friends here at, at Calvary. And Terry's very active in our local community. Uh, blessing and caring for people, and she, she does so many different things. But um, let's get to know you on, on a more personal level by asking you this, what I think to be a very personal question. At some point before you started organizing people to do good work in the community, um, you were just living out your faith. And tell us how you were living out your faith prior to founding a ministry or organization. What sort of practical things were you doing to, to be Christ in the community uh, without having a title, a label, an organization, or without being a local missionary? The biggest rule of thumb was attempting to treat others as I want to be treated. Uh, in, in seventh grade, I was introduced to asking Jesus into my heart from a Catholic school teacher that was a former nun and left, left the convent to just be a part of the Catholic Church, but to go beyond the motions. So I remember she had said to us at one point, you know, you need to ask Jesus into your heart. You can't just assume that you're going to go to heaven. And the insatiable desire to read that book that I dusted every Saturday, that was the big white Bible. Do you guys have that with the inside there was the family tree? Yeah, I just remember looking at it and and wondering what was in there, not just hearing it on Sundays. So from there... um, that introduction to it began a journey of learning more about how to carry that out into the world. So uh, to treat others as to want to be treated and to love uh, unconditionally. And so I, I started to easily do that and contribute that through the kids and believe that something should be better, the place should be better where I stood now after standing there than when it was before I stepped there. Yeah, awesome. Um, I think we could end on that note right there. That's a good message, isn't it? Um, some of you are excited about that an early lunch, um, but uh, hold on. Uh, I think that's phenomenal. She's, you know, she's remembering that we should treat others as we want to be treated. We should treat others as Christ wants us to treat them. And so, as a young person making a decision of faith in Jesus Christ, she um, got into the habit of reading God's Word and God's truth revealed that to her. The importance of us living out our faith and being genuine, being real. And I think that's phenomenal. And, uh, but I do want to ask you, what transpired in your life that led you to, to shift gears and say, you know what, I want to like, aggressively, radically love and care for people in, in the Lamont area. Uh, what happened in you and how did God bring that about that you are now this great source of light in our community for Christ? Part of the prior word was that you accept um, what goes on in life as it's not hit to you, but you're going through it. And so uh, at that respect, everything that happened that seemed to be a negative, I would try to find a positive in, you know, the eternal half glass full. So whether it be going through financial strain or a divorce or changes in life that definitely, as Pastor Jim has said, you could go away from God or come towards him. Uh, it just constantly drew him towards him. And that when my father was diagnosed with metastatic melanoma, 
being able to guide him and walk him through that battle until he lost it was one of those trying to find the positive. So when he died in November of 05, it, it was difficult to find it. But at that point, it became concentrating on how to help my mother, who was married to him for 40 years, walk through that stage. So on Thanksgiving morning, when I was sitting at St. Patrick's for service, knowing I was going to spend the day walking her through a day that she didn't want to experience, and the pastor had said, um, just naive, naively saying, everybody had somewhere to go that day, and we didn't. Uh, my kids had, were at the other side for their meal, and my mother didn't want to do anything typical on that day. So we drove around and wandered, and I realized by God opening my eyes at that suffering stage that there was people that did not have some place to go during the holidays. And it just seemed like something that before never was something that I saw. So from there became holiday meals and uh, meeting people that I never really noticed before. We go through our days walking, you walk through a McDonald's, you walk through a jewel store, store and you never know those people that you bump into, what they're carrying. We all, we all have our crosses, every one of us is carrying a cross, but do we know what the other person is experiencing? And to have your eyes open to that, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. And at that moment, in the time that we could have holed up and just felt sorry for ourselves, God pushed me to start being compassionate, as the song that Colton let us in earlier, and listening and loving unconditionally and hearing every story and doing whatever I could to be a conduit from those that have to those that need. I didn't have anything to offer financially and, or I didn't cook the meals because I didn't want to kill anybody. <laughs> but I was able to take anything that somebody had to offer and met people after people after people that those could fill voids. Awesome. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the things you're doing in the community, you and, and, and folks from our church and others that have partnered with you. Tell us about three or four of those different projects that you have going on each year, uh, and then maybe pick one story that, of, of how God was just faithful in bringing hope and truth and love into someone's life. Um, well, Calvary has helped a lot with that, so that's one of the things. But the mission of Hope and Friendship, what I jotted down in 05 was as a conduit from those that have to those that need. So it doesn't matter if it's extra clothing, if it's furniture you don't need, if it's funds. I've been able to find a need for everything that someone else has. John the Baptist said if you have two coats, you should give away one. And if you have extra food, you should share that. And from looking around this community and learning it more and more since being called to work with Hope and Friendship, I see affluency, but I see such dire straits of need. Not just financial, but there's emotional need and physical need. And those are things that, that if we're walking by and can't help with those, then we're not doing our calling. Because to be honest, the, the mission comes from Matthew 25, 37, that they will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And he replies, truly I tell you, 
whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, or as I like to call them, friends, you did it for me. And uh, that's the whole goal of it. I think, again, yeah. if I was struggling, if I had lost a loved one, and I needed somebody to sit down and have coffee with me or a meal, if my furnace broke and I needed a repair, if I didn't have a dress to wear to prom, or if my kids, I couldn't afford a birthday party for my kids, those are things that are very simple actions. Mother Teresa said, do ordinary things with extraordinary love. If we're not afraid to release that love that God has put in us, then we're gonna make big impacts. Awesome. Um, I, I, I'm really tempted to follow that up with a joke just because most of you know me. You know, Terry, it's really hard to find a prom dress in my size, so <laughs> we, we should talk later. Um, <laughs> but you did say some really awesome, serious things. You know, do ordinary things in extraordinary ways with great passion and love. Um, and, and so God has used you in this community. We've been blessed to partner with you to do some awesome things and, and provide meals and, and clothing and coats and friendship and stuff like that. It's, it's just phenomenal that we can be the hands and feet of Christ in our community in such a practical way. Sometimes we do think that we need to go and, and, and do the most radical and, and, and far-fetched kind of like things to worship God, to please God, to share the good news. And God is just saying, hey, look at the person next to you. Look at the lonely person at the store or the checkout line or how about that neighbor or a coworker that's going through trouble? And uh, God wants us to be an agent of change with them. Uh, so I'm going I'm to ask you two other questions, uh, but I also want to preface it by saying that uh, recently we've uh, put our money where our mouth is. And we said, you know, Terry's been a part of the church, and uh, what she's doing with Hope and Friendship is phenomenal. We need to come behind that financially. So Terry is one of our local missionaries, and we're supporting her financially as well. I want to thank all of you for being a part of that. And we are making a difference. And it is an important thing to send to you, Terry, to say that we as a church support you in more ways than one. So having said that, um, how important is financial partnership? And, and, and that's a little bit of a unique question for you because you often will pr send out emails or post notices and say, hey, uh, we do need some donations, whether it's food items or it's clothing or it's finances. How important is it that we mobilize and support you with resources? And, and then is there a way we could pray for you? Well... The financial support is, is one aspect, but Calvary has long supplied emotional and physical support and resources. And I don't know if you remember a few years ago, uh, Christmas, you guys adopted and you allowed Hope and Friendship to be the Advent Conspiracy, and you let me go to five different households. I had to pick five. And in this community, there's 6% of our population that live at or below poverty level of 16,000 people. So there's over 500 people, and knowing most all of them, it was very hard to pick out five. And this ties to the last question, I saved it for this, because you let me pick out five, and five of those people I was allowed to ask them, give me a big wish. And you came up with a TV for a family that didn't have one. You came up with uh, a stove for a mother of eight that did not have a working stove, and that was huge, a refrigerator that was broken. Those gifts came from this church, and the ripples from that effect. People wanted to know where I go to church, and where that would come from, and who would do that for somebody they didn't even know. The unbirthday party that we do with Pastor Mark and the youth every year has grown large and looked forward to. So those support systems are huge, but sometimes coats and a party 
even a stove aren't enough. It takes rent payment before they get uh, evicted. It takes paying a ComEd bill as the electricity has been shut off for months. I have a friend who's a widow of five kids and they lived for a month and a half without it. They were uh, without the heat. They were microwaving the water and putting it into the bath just to try to make it lukewarm because she couldn't afford it. So resources are important, but mm. there comes that time when that dollar, whether it be $50 a month and it becomes diapers and formula for a family that can't afford it because they've already tapped out all of their resources or that rent or utility bill, there's nothing that a coat can do to solve that and that's where the money comes in and that support is absolutely huge because just to hear a story and not be able to help, that's very painful. Hmm. And, and what is that prayer request then? You just alluded to it. Is, is it that God would give you wisdom and, and how the to care for people? Request? You didn't ask me that yet, but I'll ask Oh, that. I tagged it on before. <laughs> I tagged it on. The prayer request. There are a couple. I know you asked personal and for the foundation. This is a turning point year for Hope and Friendship. Uh, I just, I could not do it all on my own. And it's been something that's brought me through these years and, and obviously covered a grief that I was going through. But now to be bigger and to reach more people, to reach more friends, those who have and those that need, uh, I assembled a board and there's a Hope and Friendship board. And every, every event that I have once a month is now going to be a committee. So I ask for prayer that this year, that's a foundational year, can grow and that we will reach more. Uh, as far as a personal prayer, it's uh, to hear the stories. I don't just listen and turn away. And for any of you that talk to me and those that know they have, it becomes part of me. And I will tell you that uh, even just a few weeks ago, uh, I was, I've been blessed to be married to a man that accepts me as is with this. And a couple weeks ago, I sat on the sofa, and it was just one of those days where you just can't take any more. And so I just, just broke down. And you just have to have that moment. But it was just because I felt like I couldn't do enough. So I can't do enough because I'm one person. But what I can do is ask you, if you can offer, to help to help. And to, to pray for us to increase. And here I'm going to refer to 1 Chronicles 4.10, where Jabez cried out, Oh, that you will bless me to enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm, so that I will be free from pain. And I pray for that, for hope and friendship, for myself, and for those that we reach out and touch, that we may enlarge, not because of the name and not because of who we are, but because God knows the people that are in the shadows, the people that haven't reached out to us, and that we can give aid to them, whether it be emotionally, physical, or resources. And because Calvary backing it up, that's possible. Amen. Well, thank you, Terry, for being just uh, very transparent with us. Let's give her a hand clap. Thank you. So we've heard from two of our local missionaries. And in just a moment, we're going to hear from one of our uh, global missionaries. Um, we are going to go a little over on our time today. And I hope that's okay, because this is a really inspirational time for us to really be challenged and see what God is doing through this church community. And uh, having said that, I was going to show a video. I think we're going to press forward, and I'm just going to give you an intro before we pull Bill up on Skype. Uh, we support missionaries around the world, almost 40 missionary partners here in Lamont, Chicago area, and around the world. Some of those partners are Bill and Kim Snyder, and they work with Asia Pacific Media Ministry. Asia Pacific Media Ministry. And they are over in the Philippines, and they are using technology to get in areas 
that, that we cannot get to. They are reaching people with things like shortwave radio and internet broadcasting and a Bible college classes through the internet that people in China can sign up and be a part of. They are doing phenomenal things through technology, whether it's, whether it's getting an MP3 player with uh, entire scripture on it or um, theology training for a, a new pastor um, or it's uh, developing full-length uh, feature films and native languages, and these films share the gospel message, the good news about Christ. So they're using media to impact their world, to impact northern and southern and southeastern Asia. Phenomenal things, and they're one of our partners. So I I think, uh, hopefully here in a minute, we're going to go ahead and have Bill um, available, and we're going to put him on the screen so you can see him, and hopefully he won't be scared off by the beam of light emanating from my forehead. (laughs) Wow, that was great timing. Wow. And so uh, let's go ahead and see if we have Bill with us today. And we want to go ahead and interview him and ask him a handful of questions. Uh, Bill, are you there yet? I am. Oh, man, you surprised me. Good morning. It's Monday morning here. Hey, good morning. What time is it there? About 1 a.m. About 1 a.m. in the Philippines. Thank you for staying awake. Yes, it is. If you fall asleep on us, we will not be upset. Well, if I look a little bit haggard, it's because it's 1 a.m. <laughs> Excellent. I was just telling everyone uh, the scope of your ministry and how God is using you through technology to reach people, uh, through movies and through Internet and through uh, radio. And um, we're excited that you're one of our mission's partners. I want to go ahead and jump right into this interview because I know you're tired. And we want to ask you, Bill, prior to the Lord saying, go and use technology to reach people, what were you doing in your everyday life, back where you grew up, what were you doing to live out your faith and, and be about the mission of God in your community? You know, I, was, uh, I came to be a follower of Jesus when I was a senior at the University of Illinois in Urbana. Before that point, I was just raised in a nominal type of a... I would suppose you could call it a Christian home, but there wasn't really any faith there. So when the first exposure that I had to church, it was like it was a built-in DNA thing that we were called to do something with our faith. So uh, about a year later after I graduated, I went to a Bible school. I got some additional training. I had an opportunity to come to Illinois, back to Illinois, and start a Christian radio network downstate that eventually has grown all over the state. So we were in Illinois for 12 years doing that, launching something and and just enjoying life and the opportunity to serve. And then life began to change. The focus began to change in the mid 80s. Fantastic. Uh, I I just want to pause for a minute and emphasize something he said. Uh, God used him to reach people here in Illinois by using technology. Sometimes we think that God has to uh, train us up to be a theologians, that we have to have all the answers of Scripture. But really, God wants to use us if we're doctors or lawyers or plumbers or electricians or administrative assistants or if we're working in IT. Whatever, wherever, whatever we're doing, the Lord wants to use us to impact the world. So, Bill, I thank you for sharing that. But we also know that God has a unique story uh, that He unwove in your life, that you have a story of how God said, you know, Bill, we, we, I've got something different for you, and I want you to go and do this ministry in Asia. And tell us what happened, what transpired to lead you to Asia and to work with Asia Pacific Media Ministry. Well, there wasn't an Asia Pacific Media when 
I felt the Lord just begin to speak to my wife and I about the possibility of using broadcasting overseas. Now, now think back in the 80s, what was media? It was nothing like it is today. But we just couldn't get away from the fact that we felt we were supposed to leave and pioneer something that didn't exist. So we just began to take steps and explore what was possible. And after a bunch of closed doors, one door opened. And then we had to put foot, feet, our faith, and we walked that door, went to Asia, not really knowing exactly whether we could do what we felt in our heart we could do or should do. And the rest of its history, we started, we started this ministry in the living room of our first apartment. And today we have people that are served with us in the Philippines, Hong Kong, Taiwan, and several other countries of Asia. And uh, it's more than I could have ever dreamed possible when we first went out. But something in me that said I would regret it all my life if I didn't try to do this thing, which was in an embryonic form, really, of what it eventually become. Step out of the boat was the word that God gave me. We stepped out, and the rest is history. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, you work with broadcast, and, and I happen to know that, that that word in the Greek literally means to cast seed broadly. And what way is God using you and your ministry to broadcast the gospel? By that I mean, tell us about the scope or the nature of Asia-Pacific Media Ministry, where it is, what it's doing. Give us a quick brief synopsis of how far that message is being broadcast. Well, when we started in the early 90s, it was radio. Um, but it moved, we moved it from there into teaching videos, and then God gave us a great team, and we began to produce family dramas. We moved from family dramas that were actually broadcast on television and satellite, and we moved into movies. We've worked with other ministries, and we've done movies for Mongolia, the Philippines, Cambodia. And then with the advent and the increase of the Internet, we've started to launch websites, websites for evangelism, websites for resources for the church in China. The scope of ministry really includes training of Asians in doing media, how to actually produce and do, to the production of tools from dramas to movies to internet websites that then reach into the marketplace and touch people where they are, access, digital gives us access, and then also we've had a particular focus in the last 12 to 15 years working in China uh, reaching believers in China, and with all that is opened up in China, the marvelous thing, the, the platform that God's given us to work with people inside as well as outside. China. Team has been put together. We've got over 15 people that work together on this. It's not just me or my wife, but God's given us people who have a similar heart and vision, and and it's just developed from a mustard seed to something that. Uh, we're very excited God is using. And you've been a part of it. Excellent. Now, Bill, we, you've been one of our missionaries for a number of years, and we've faithfully, financially supported you, and we've supported you in prayer. Would you tell us how important financial support is
for us to remember you and, and the ministry that way? Well, you know, you, you and other churches make it possible for us to be here. Um, and, and being in a place for now over 20 years, that ability to network and to bring together a group of people that I can't begin to tell you the impact that they are having in the things that we're able to do. Um, you've you've uh, given us the ability to be here and to see a ministry develop that is touching, I suppose it wouldn't be an exaggerated, an exaggeration to say hundreds of thousands of people every week and possibly into the millions. Uh, but it took, it took us to take a step of faith and it took people who believe in what we've talked about and that partnership, that koinonia of sharing of life together has enabled something to develop that is reaching people, well, media can go everywhere. We didn't know that in 1990. We didn't know what media would be like in 2012. God did, and we believed in it together, and, and your partnership is, is part of it all. I mean, it's something that we can rejoice in God together. That's awesome. Bill, can you tell us one or two or three ways that we can pray for you and Kim personally and then also pray for Asia Pacific Media Ministry? Uh, I appreciate your prayers. Um, because we've been here so long, there are so many opportunities, so many avenues or invitations that we could go a lot of different directions. So pray with us that God would give us wisdom where to invest our energy. Um, we want to do things that where there will be fruit and the fruit will remain. Pray with us specifically that God would send us workers. We need an IT worker. We need a person who's really, really gifted in IT, particularly in website development for believers in mainland China. Now, I need somebody who is absolutely fluent in Chinese, who has a tremendous ability IT because resource website for the church in China has been a, a tremendous blessing to believers across the nation. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We need a person to help with that. I need a video director who's going to work with us in the next movie that we're producing. So we need people. We need wisdom. Any missionary would pray that God would give us favor because we're the guests in a country where we live for a while, but we go into new situations. And, and favor allows us the ability to develop relationships and do things. You know, it's, it's like in the Bible where it says, and God, they, they prayed wisdom and faith with God and man. And that would be our prayer request for you as we serve in this part of the world and we're partners together missions. Bill, thank you so much. We will definitely keep you in prayer that God would send laborers, that he would send people to help you, that he would give you wisdom and favor, that he would give you provision and protection. We want to thank you for staying up late with us and giving us a, a brief overview of your story uh, and your impact that God is doing through you in the ministry. Thank you so much. Please tell Kim we said hello and uh, get a good night. I will. All right, good night. Thank you. Bill said some awesome things I want to highlight them really quick. He talked about becoming a believer and then, no, and then 
he used this phrase that built into his DNA was this, this understanding he had to do something with his faith. Built within the DNA of a Christian, within our heart, is that we have to do something. God used him in practical ways here in Illinois, and he's led him to do pioneering media work in Asia. And, um, and he used another phrase, step out of the boat. Sometimes we, we, we need to get out of that comfort zone and trust God, and God will do great things. So we're excited that Bill is with us, and, and I know our time is going a little over today, but I'm really excited to um, uh, put my boss in the hot seat. So uh, don't fall asleep, and, and don't skip out for early lunch. Pastor Jim, come on up. Let's welcome him. Hi, Mark. Good to see you, Pastor. Now, this is a question I, I've needed to know. It's something that's been burning within me. I would ask you, Pastor Jim, would you, if you could just tell us, who is your favorite bald staff pastor? <laughs> I think that's a contrived question. But you know, Mark, working five and a half years together, you should know by now that I love you. But just to prove it, I'm going to do something that I find very difficult to do sometimes. I'm just going to give you a great big hug. Whoa. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. That's rare because, you know, Tim White, Tim White once said pastor's hugophobic. And so thank you so much. Um, thank you for affirming me. It really helps, you know. Um, so here's a serious question. Now we've got you up here. And um, would you share with us, Pastor Jim, um, how you became a pastor and how, how did you know that God wanted you to be a pastor, a shepherd, an overseer of a local church? Well, the answer to that question, Mark, uh, really has uh, a lot to do with what we're talking about this morning. Uh, we're talking about missionaries and partnering with missionaries. Uh, the two most important spiritual moments in my life, uh, God used two different missionaries. Uh, in those two moments. Uh, the first one was when I, when I was in third grade, I was eight years old. Uh, my mom, my dad, they were not Christians yet, but their church had reached out to my mom. And so since I was a preschooler, she'd be bringing me to church. And uh, we had a missionary from China, one of the missionaries that the church supported. And he came to the church one day and he was telling us about how people were coming to Christ in China. He also explained what it means to ask Jesus into your heart. And so I was a third grader sitting there and he, at the end of his message, he said, now, you, people, you can ask Jesus to come into your heart, too. And so as a simple boy, eight years old, I took that serious. And in that service, I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And immediately, and from those days on, I knew, as an eight-year-old, I knew something happened inside of me. I, I could feel it. I felt warm inside. I just had a, I felt like God, he did it. He came into my life and he changed me. So that God used a missionary to talk to me about that. And then eight years later, I was in the uh, fall of my senior year of high school. Now, during my junior high, senior high years, I sort of tuned the Lord out a little bit. Uh, he was in the background, but he wasn't in the foreground of my life. So I'd been trying to figure out, what am I going to do with my life? I'm going to graduate in a few months. What am I going to do? Well, there was a couple of things I was interested in. Uh, I thought about being a forest ranger. Now, I grew up in a community of 70 people in the midst of the, north, of the northwestern part of Pennsylvania. It, there's a lot of woods there. I spent a lot of time when I was a kid out in the woods. I loved it out there. 
So I figured maybe being a forest ranger would be the thing for me to do. Um, I sent away for material. And then another thing that really was catching my attention back there, and I've said this to you before, was I thought about being a Pennsylvania State policeman. Uh, now, maybe it's because both of those professions have really neat, cool uniforms. But I thought about that, and I sent for material, and I, I wouldn't be surprised I was heading that direction. Uh, and if you'd have been driving down Interstate 80 in Pennsylvania at some t point in your future, I might have been the guy that pulled you over. But anyway, uh, we, but at that time, another missionary, this time from India, that our church was connected with, came to the church. And he spoke on a Sunday morning and a Sunday night. And he, this guy really, he got me thinking about tuning back into God. Uh, and then he announced that he was going to have this prayer meeting uh, for anybody that wanted to come and uh, just pray and get serious about their faith and, and try to f seek God's will for their life. And uh, so uh, now I was still fighting God a little bit right there. Uh, my dad and two brothers, they were going to go to that prayer meeting. Uh, and literally, as they were on their way out the door to go to that prayer meeting, my dad, he came over to me and he said, Jimmy, hey, man, I, man, I think you should come with us tonight. I wasn't planning to go. And so he said, I think you ought to come with us. So I jumped in the car and went. Well, the missionary talked with us a little bit more that night. And then I got, I got to really taking this prayer thing serious that night. I started asking God, what do you, what do you want from me? I, I surrendered my life. I said, Lord, I, I'll do whatever in this world you want me to do. I just, I'm yours. I surrender. And, uh, and for the first time ever in my life, and I would have fought this tooth and nail if it had ever happened before, but there was a thought that popped into my head. And at the same time, a desire, a new desire popped into my heart. God put it there. And that was to be a pastor, to go and study to be a pastor. Uh, and so here I am, uh, 47 years later, uh, telling you guys that story about that. And, uh, and it's because God used two missionaries to speak to my life, to speak to my heart. That's awesome. I, I'm going to put a plug in for next Sunday at this moment. Next Sunday, we've got missionary Mark, uh, missionaries Mark and Linda Hausfeld. Uh, they're going to come speak to us in the morning. And then in the evening at 5 o'clock, we have our annual missions banquet. Great time to have some great food and uh, for you to bring a dish of food and come and hear Mark speak, but also to be challenged. What is God saying to you? And how is he leading you in a unique way? Uh, I think many of us need to hear that message. Sometimes it's easy to become very complacent, content, and, and, and uh, lose sight of the mission. And I believe you're going to be inspired if you come uh, Sunday morning and Sunday night at the banquet. Um, I had to sneak that in. So um, here's, here's, here's a serious question. Let's get back on track. Let's, here's a serious question. Pastor Jim, you've been here 11 years now, I, uh -huh. I think, 11 That's years right. at, at Lamont. And in that time, would you just tell us who has been your favorite bald pastor in that time? <laughs> I think Mark has a, an esteem problem here, don't you? Well, I'm going to, Mark, you can't push it because I'm not going to hug you again today. Right? So. All right, moving on. We all know the truth, though. We all know the truth. Uh, as our lead pastor, um, why are you so passionate about mobilizing us, mobilizing the local church to reach its community, to be the hands and feet of Christ in our hurt world? Why, what motivates you as, as our okay. spiritual 
shepherd, father, leader, pastor? All right. Here's, here's what I believe. I believe that every person on earth and every person in Lamont and the surrounding communities, every single one, is passionately loved by God. God so loved the world. And the way I often think of this is, if there was only one person on this planet, and say that person lived right here in Lamont or Lockport or Homer or Darien, just one person that was without Jesus, that needed hope and needed eternal life, God would have still sent his son into this world for just that one person. And then, you know, sometimes to get perspective, uh, I will think to myself, okay, what if I were a person living in Lamont? And then maybe Jill with me and my family, my kids, my grandma. What if we were a, a family living in Lamont that didn't know Christ, that had no faith in Christ, that, that had no hope, that, that we were not even part of a church anywhere? What if that was me? What if that was our family? Well, would I want there to be a church in that community that would care, that would really care about me and my family, care enough to be a church, care enough to, to, to reach outside of its walls? And, would I, and, if, if, I, and, and if I were out uh, at my job, would I want there to be another Christian that maybe was in that workplace with me who would, who would have enough care to come and invest in my life and build a friendship with me, get to know me a little bit, so, and pray for me so that they might have an opportunity to have an influence spiritually in my life to rescue me, my family, my kids, my grandkids, to bring them into the kingdom of God. And, and I, have, I would have to say, if that were my situation and knowing what I know, I would say a huge yes. I would want, and you know, it's only by God's grace that I am not a person with a family that is separated from Christ. It's only by his grace that that is the case. And Paul said, I'm a debtor. Paul said, I received God's grace, and now I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in debt to every other human being on this planet that doesn't know him. So I want, so I want to put myself in that other person's shoes. If I go to McDonald's and someone's serving me a hamburger up there or, or a Starbucks, I, I want to be thinking about that other person. That could be me over there a person that doesn't know Christ. I want to have an influence in their life. Uh, in other words, I, want, I would want someone to be a missionary to me. And, uh, and if I take it back to uh, that story when I was three years old, you know, the backstory of that is that in that small church in Moss Grove was about 50 people or so, 60 people maybe. And in a town, well, <laughs> it wasn't even a town, just a crossroads. And maybe there's 100 people that live in Moss Grove, Pennsylvania. Uh, but, uh, but, Long before I became a Christian, that church reached out to my mother while I was a baby, a preschooler. So in third grade, she took me to that service that I came to Christ. But she didn't accept Christ for another three years until I was 11 years old. But it was because there was some people in that church, a handful of ladies, that reached out to my mom and invited her to things and just made her a part of things. And, uh, and so otherwise, I wouldn't be up here today talking to you about Christ. Uh, it was because that church reached out. And I want to be that kind of a person. Uh, the hero, hero in the scripture is the Good Samaritan. 
And story, two guys walked by on the other side of the road, saw the guy in need, two religious people walked by on the other side of the road. They didn't want to get involved, they didn't care. I, I want to be like the Good Samaritan. I want to care about other people. And uh, so that's, uh, so being the hands and feet of Christ in the community, I just feel like, uh, boy, that's what, that's what we're called to be. Amen. That's good news. Um, I, you know, we've talked about a few things this morning, but they've all centered around these three things. Um, the importance to participate and partner in praying for those that don't know Christ and praying for our missionaries to reach those, praying uh, for those that we know in our world, um, and then giving of our time and our resources, our finances to share God's love and truth with those that we know, and then to help our missionaries do the same. And then we've talked about going. Scripture, Matthew 28 says, go and make disciples. But literally, the, the original text says, as you're going, as you're doing life, go and, and make other followers. Go and share the good news. And um, so we're talking about the importance of us going into our world. We're talking about how God used our missionary partners like Jen and Terry and, and Bill to, to go into their world and then to go maybe into another area. So uh, the rubber meets the road, the buck stops here, whatever idiom you want to say. But Pastor Jim, uh, we've, got, we've, we've got to be honest. And, and uh, I, I want you to answer this question. You're a pastor. You challenge us week in, week out to love God and love each other. But how do you share your faith? Okay. What do you do in the community as a missionary, as an ambassador? Uh, how are you going? Mm -hmm. Well, I think one of the things I try to do each and every day is... Uh, I ask the Lord to open up opportunities for me to be an influence in other people's lives for Him. And that can mean different things. Uh, it can be very incremental sometimes. Uh, it's building relationships with other people. It's being open to people. It's being looking for opportunities. So sometimes it might just be getting to know my neighbor a little bit better than I, than I did the day before. Because I believe, I view every relationship we build as the bridge that God uses for the influence of Jesus to cross over from my life into that other person's life. And so over the years, just with the neighbors that we live close by to, we've had, God has opened up great opportunities to just build a, start with building a friendship and then have an opportunity to even t discuss spiritual things here and there, to talk with them about Jesus and about the Lord. I couldn't do that in the first conversation, but over the time of building trust and then I get my hair cut uh, right across the road over here at Great Clips. I think that's Great Clips. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but there's a couple different girls over there over the months that have been uh, you know, working on my hair and uh, cutting it. And, uh, it looks real good, too. Good. <laughs> I'm ready for another haircut, really. Uh, but, you know, and just there, I've had the opportunity to, uh, you know, to visit and talk. And uh, I listen to what they're you know, what's going on in their lives, and they tell me about their kids and things, uh, birthday parties, and then I've had opportunities to say things like, man, you know, I, uh, I, you know I'm really, um, you know, it gives an open up the door. I've been able to say, you know, man, one of the things that I, I really like about the, the church I have a privilege of pastoring is we, we're filled with young adults over here, and I've been baptizing, or not, I've been dedicating babies, uh, you know, it seems like every, every month, every other Sunday. So it's opened up little bridges to talk, and I, you know, and I've been able to say with one of those girls over there, hey, you know, you might want to just, you know, come and check it out sometime, see what you think. And uh, so nothing pushy. Uh, we don't serve Christ, and we don't be an influence by being obnoxious. <laughs> That's for sure. But it's showing His care and kindness, and and I see that uh, 
you know, so that, it's those kinds of things, Mark, that just on a day-by-day -day basis, as we go, as I'm in the course of my life, I, I want to go back to the Good Samaritan. I, I, I don't want to look past people, and by God's grace, I want to see every human being for the valuable person that they are. And if I can have an influence, then I want to definitely have it. Excellent. Uh, sometimes we take the simple things for granted. God wants us to love others and what we say and what we do. Uh, we can show them Christ uh, by caring for them, by being with them, by just talking with them, by bringing up faith in the discussion. We can tell them about his truth. Uh, and I have another plug. On March 10th, uh, Saturday morning, I'll be leading a workshop here called Show and Tell. Show and Tell. And it's going to be really simple, practical ways that you can be mobilized to show and tell others about Jesus Christ, to share the good news. Sometimes we need a little coaching, we need a little encouragement, and it's just going to be a three-hour workshop with breaks, with snacks. There's a sign-up in the lobby. I'd love to get uh, you there uh, to have you come and be a part of that. If you're a new believer, if you've been in the faith 30 years, either way, you'll be encouraged to be mobilized to share your faith through what you say and do um, I've got a couple more questions, and they deal with finances. And this is a good reminder to let all of you know, in just a minute, we are going to receive our offering, and then we'll shortly conclude our service. And, but before we do receive our, our normal offering, our tithes and our offerings, we cannot, we cannot forget that, that in this world that we live in, money, money is king. Uh, Pastor Jim, would you share with us your heart for why it's important for us to financially support the mission of the church, to support our missionaries? You know, it goes right back to that uh, story of my coming to Christ in third grade. Um, I was thinking about this question. You know, I would not have been at that missionary service that night uh, because unless there were two things that happened, uh, two things that had to happen. Uh, one is when it comes to giving, uh, there had to be a group of Christians in that community of Moss Grove that were committed and wanted to get to, wanted to, had a vision to get together, pool their resources, and by the way, none of the people in Moss Grove, uh, they were all struggling. They were loggers and farmers and steel workers, and they, there were no millionaires in Moss Grove, but they pooled their resources together out of their struggle. They gave sacrificially, and they did two things. Number one is they built that church, and then when they built the church, they, uh, they gave more so they could buy a piano, and they bought seats for people to sit on, and then they, uh, they hired a pastor to come and plan and lead the church, and all of that took a lot of finance, all of that took a lot of money. And what is what was that church? That church was a mission station in the little village of Moss Grove. And if those people hadn't done that, then there would have been no place for me to come and give my heart to when I was in third grade. Uh, so that's the first thing they did. And the second thing that that church did was they looked outside of their own walls and they said, you know what, we want to help get this gospel out to the world too. Uh, and so there's where that, China, that missionary from China came in and that missionary from India came in, both of whom were in those two places leading people to Christ. But when they came back to our church to talk, both of those missionaries had a deep impact upon my whole future, my whole life. And so from day one, Jesus taught the church that when it comes to their giving, to their, to their finances, 
that every church has to do two things with finances, every Christian. Number one is we have to be, we have to, we have to support the local church so that it can be the missionary to its own community. And it takes a lot of money to do that. Uh, as you can look around, someone's got to pay the light bills and, and just like in the church you already grew up in, you, all of this stuff it takes, you got to put furnaces in, you got to fix the roof, you got to buy seats to sit on. It takes a lot of money to be a missionary in your own community. And where does that come from? It comes from us. And so every person, when I gave my life to Jesus as a third grader, it was all that people in the, it was all those people in the community that week by week had been giving in their offerings, giving the offerings that really created the opportunity for me to come to know Christ. Uh, now globally, uh, we are also called to, to partner with missionaries. And by God's grace, I'm so thankful for this congregation that we've been able to partner with 37 missionaries uh, throughout the world. Uh, and again, how does that happen? By our, by our making faith promises. A faith promise is an annual commitment that we make, and there's a card on your seat today. Uh, take a look at that. But a faith promise is when we as a congregation ask God, God, what do you want me to do in addition to what I'm doing to help my own mission station, my own church, what do you want me to do to help fund these missionaries that are sharing the gospel around the world? And you know, I would say probably it's also true here in the village of Lamont that most of us are not millionaires. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would say most of us are. But you know, all through history, all through Christianity, who has it that's been who has carried the weight of supporting the gospel locally and globally. Who has done that? Millionaires? No. It's been faithful people who struggle sacrificially. But everyone doing what they can do, even if, it's, even if they feel like it's just so little compared to what they would want to do, that's the key. And that's what's launched this church. And I believe going into 2012, that's what's going to help us even add a couple more missionaries maybe or increase the support of our missionaries. Uh, but there's this ripple effect. There's this inner network of things. And I hope we can catch, hope we will even catch that vision more of how the local and the global all works together to spread this kingdom of God. And it's the highest privilege we have in this world. I believe that as a Christian, I, I view it in my life. We've all got to make our ends meet financially. Me too. But my very first priority, my very first pri financial priority in my life is giving to the kingdom of God so that people, boys and girls, moms and dads, here and across the world can come to know Christ. That's my first priority. Just to do the best I can do, knowing that I've got I've to pay the other bills too and put food on the table, obviously. God wants us to do that too. But if we all do what we can do, that's what makes the difference, and, and it's what gets this gospel to the world. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'll just tag on to that by mentioning a little bit more about the Faith Promise Card. Um, yeah, there's an opportunity for you to write in your monthly uh, contribution to uh, separate that and keep the reminder for yourself and then put that Faith Promise in the offering. And it, it does make a difference. We want to challenge you today to consider that. And in just a minute or two, we're going to take up our offering. Our ushers will get ready here in a minute, and we'll take up our offering. Maybe today you say, you know, my heart is, is, is ready and willing and able, and I know the Lord wants me to give this much this year, 
and um, you can do that. But maybe you need to take some time to pray and think about it and come next Sunday. I want to leave you with just a brief story. This is off script. I'm sorry, and I know we're, we're out of time this morning. But one of our missions partners, a lady by the name of Susan Cliff. Susan Cliff is a missionary in Northern Asia. Uh, she is a wonderful person. Susan was over at my house a year or so ago, and she shared a phenomenal story with me. She said, you know, Mark, there is a church consisting of 20, 30, 40 homeless people in New York City. Homeless people. They literally have nowhere to go. They're panhandlers, and they go to soup kitchens. But they have gathered together every Sunday for worship. And she said that they caught the vision, the passion to share Jesus' love with others. And so they decided, we're going to collect cans, we're going to collect aluminum, and we're going to recycle them. And that's what we'll do to fund missionaries. And here's Susan, one of our missionaries that we support financially. And she was crying and broken by the fact that these people gave of the, literally, the very little they had. That they scrounged week in and week out to get cans out of trash cans, to recycle that to give that 10 or $20 to Susan so Susan can go halfway around the world and share Jesus' love with people. I think we can do more than scrounge for cans, but that's a start. And I want to challenge you today to be a part of that mission. And we've been blessed that we have such a great family of, of believers here. And I want to challenge you to continue to be faithful with that giving. And if you're new here and you say, you know, Mark, I'm not sure about it, you know, pray and see what God wants you to do. But I believe we can do something. And uh, Pastor Jim, as we prepare to take our offering today, would you lead us in prayer? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're just thankful that you have, in your own way, led each of us to know you as Savior. We could each tell our story here today of how that happened. And now, Lord, we're just grateful that we have the chance to be involved in getting this message to the lives of others, both locally through our own relationships and influence, and then, Lord, by partnering with missionaries across this world. Lord, thank you for the, for the joy and the privilege of doing this. Now, Lord, I pray that uh, as we receive our offering in just a moment, Lord, that you will bless each one as they give, as they give sacrificially, Lord. And then, Lord, translate this offering into bringing your grace and love to people that you died for on the cross. Lord Jesus, help, that, help the cross always to be in the forefront of our thinking, in, in all of our giving, in all of our building of friendships and relationships, in everything we do. May the cross be in the forefront. And Lord, uh, I thank you for this congregation, for their kindness and their generosity and their goodness. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.